0: Holy One, fill our hearts and minds with your abiding peace. May your spirit work through us to hear your word and to listen for the ways in which you are present in our lives. May the knowledge of your presence fill us with a sense of calm. Amen. Our first reading today is from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen Yet you all do not receive our testimony. If I had told you all about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you all believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Now then, no one has ascended into the heavens except the one who has descended from the heavens, the son of woman. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of woman be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that God gave God's only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Song of Songs, chapter four. Oh, I thought I was gonna get some accompaniment with my reading. <laughs> that was okay. I was like, oh, this is fun. Um, I mean if you want it. <laughs> No, that might freak me out a little bit. I'm like, oh I gotta time it well. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, so this this part of the chapter begins: to a woman. All of you is beautiful, my beloved companion. There is no flaw in you. With me from Lebanon, my bride, come with me, come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Sinir and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. My heart is yours, my sister, my bride. My heart is yours with just one of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine, than the fragrance of your oils, more than every spice. Honeyed sweetness drips from your lips, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The scent of your garments is like the scent of Lebanon. A garden locked is my sister, my bride. A garden locked, a fountain sealed. Your limbs are an orchard of pomegranates with all choicest fruits. Henna with nard, nard and saffron. Sweet cane and cinnamon with every kind of frankincense tree. Myrrh and aloes with all the best spices. A garden spring, a well of living water, a streaming from Lebanon. To a woman's beloved, awake, Zaphon, northern wind, and come, Taman, southern wind. Blow upon my garden that its spice scent might flow. Let my beloved come to their garden and partake of its choicest fruits. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I know that most of you know that my partner Daria, and for those who maybe don't know, is a tattoo artist. And we both joke regularly about what it would be like if we traded places for a day and traded jobs for a day. I can surely tell you that you would end up with a lot of scarring on your body and horrible, horrible stick figures. So not, not, not a good idea, not a good idea. But whenever she jokes about being in my place, and she's not ver- a very religious person but did grow up in the church, she names the one Bible verse she knows and is like, so yeah, my sermon would be like um, John 3:16, And then that's it. That's all. That's it. That's all she says. So when I told her that our lectionary today featured John 3, 16, she was like, that's my job. <laughs> so I am sorry to disappoint you that I am here and not Daria, but uh, she, still, she still sends her love and still would stay up here and probably just say John 3.16 to you. And of course, of course that's the verse that she picked because for those of us who grew up in the church, was John 3.16 not one of the first Bible verses that we learned to memorize? For God so loved the world that God gave God's only son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I think it's also funny that even though I don't regularly read Bible translations with words like shall and ye and thine, and the ones that I've memorized, somehow they seep their way in there. Like, you shall have eternal life. Or in the Lord's Prayer, um, there's a lot of, like, thys and these. And even in our um, doxology, I know, tonight. Um, what's the last part? Uh, there's a ye in there, right? The God of love, ye heavenly heaven knows. Thank you. Thank you. I was, again, like, now I'm standing up here. I'm like, I forget this song that I've sung you know, every week for my entire life. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, we don't use it, but it finds our way. I just, that has nothing to do with my sermon. I just thought that was funny. But, um, right, so this is, this is the verse that people use to summarize Christianity and has become a slogan almost. So much that, that so many of us already know and already expect what this verse is and what this passage has to say. But we rarely, at least in, in my experience, read it outside of its, its single use as a slogan or within the context of its surrounding chapter. And so for Wilda Gaffney, who translated and compiled this lectionary that we used, who chose all of these passages today, is an Episcopalian priest. And so she per- places this particular election on Laerte Sunday, which technically was March 27th, but since we're not here on Sundays, it gets a little weird, but y'all, y'all are with me. Um, but it's a day of, of joyful celebration, a joyful celebration of heaven and earth that ends, or kind of wraps up Lent, or comes toward the end of Lent. And this verse depicts the epitome of God's love, made manifest in and through creation, in and through humanity, and in and through Jesus. And what a better thing to celebrate than God so loving the world. And I really love, personally, that she places John 3 alongside of a passage from Song of Songs, the erotic love poem of the Hebrew Bible told from the voices of a man and a woman that we often avoid reading or completely forget exists. And this poem is a kind of celebration of a different kind of love than what John talks about, one that celebrates the body, particularly in this case, the female body, particularly in this case, a black female body as beautiful and worthy of praise. And we know she's dark skinned from the first chapter of the book in which she sings, black am I and lovely daughters of Jerusalem, like the black tents of the Keter nomads. And I, just, I think it's incredibly important that we keep that in mind, not just as readers today, but particularly within the context of a society that considers one particular type of body beautiful. Many interpreters over the years have read this passage and, and read this whole book really and come to a conclusion that this is a tract for renouncing fleshly, pa- flesh, that's a hard word to say, fleshly passions and we still read it so because the human body can can be embarrassing and awkward for us or we don't read it because it's because it's awkward for us or because it doesn't fit into the mold of a a purity culture, nor does it fetishize or objectify the body like society can and will. And especially having made our way through the first few chapters in Genesis over the past few weeks, which has been used to condemn not just the female body, but women entirely, there's something quite liberating, I think, by finalizing that story with Song of Songs, which maybe invites us to a new bodily theology in which it sees the, the bodily self as an integral part of what it means to be human, and within its placement in scripture, what it maybe means to be people of faith. Especially given the very natural language in this passage with spices and honey and direct connections to a garden, we are seeing the garden redeemed as a paradise for lovers, when the beautiful garden is often seen as the one that humanity doesn't belong in, like we talked about a few weeks ago. Particularly, Reverend Dr. Renita Weems suggests that this poem might grant a space to accept our bodies as gardens for exploring the human and divine natures, parts of our nature, sorry. The female body poses no threat in this case to the creative order, and we can truly find love that does not seek to control and dominate. Rather, it is mutual love that becomes the context for empowering the human spirit and for sharing bodily humanity. To love another person, whether that be romantically or sexually or any way that we can love another person, is a good thing and is something to be celebrated. And so in John, our passage picks up right after the man Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, comes to Jesus at night wondering exactly who Jesus is. And we know that Jesus never really gives us a lot of direct answers to questions. He responds in parabola. In, parable, in parabola. I don't know, I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> I don't, like, I, I think I've talked about, I've talked about physics and math tonight, and I've, that. That, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying. Anyways, uh, Jesus responds in par. Now I'm, now I'm nervous. Jesus responds in parables. Parables, I said it right, right? Okay. Parables, right? He doesn't really ever also like, fully claim his identity. In, in, the, in the holy, holy, holy uh, hymn that we, that we sung tonight, we get the, the language of Trinity and the language of humanity and divinity, but Jesus never really names it as so. Okay, I I lost my train of thought, so this isn't going to flow. But anyway, so some of you might know the story of Nicodemus. That might be kind of familiar. And he's the one who um, is known for introducing us to this idea of being born again or being born from above. And I think this this meaning or this phrase has been maybe usurped by a particular genre of Christian converts who who refer to themselves as born-again Christians. But when I think of the the other ways that this phrase can be used, I think of the way, too, that the, the church has tried to split an earthly realm and a heavenly realm up as part of Christian piety. I think maybe similar to the ways that we are afraid to read Song of Songs for the way it celebrates the created order. But I also think of the way we talk about being of the world, not in the earth. Sorry, being in the world, not of the world. I do promise I wrote, like, I finished the sermon, like, not five minutes ago. I don't know why I can't talk tonight. Um, Where am I? Right, okay, so does that language feel familiar about separating of the world and of heaven? Uh, maybe that kind of comes up in purity culture a little bit, too. But Jesus' response, which we read in full tonight in John, actually alludes to the merging of those two realms and this idea of a rebirth, a realm that becomes one in himself, in Jesus. And it might be helpful to point out, maybe, maybe it, this is getting a little bit technical, that the gospel writer John understands Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension as one continuous event— which is basically to say that salvation is found at the bridging, the connection of those two realms in the intoning work of Jesus. Which is basically to say that God so loved the world, the whole world, the people, and the earth, that God made manifest that love through a means of intimate incarnate connection in Jesus. And this is a joyful thing, something to celebrate, that we can be joyful in our contemplation of God's good world of which we are a part our bodies, our minds, our spirits, and all. That we are not forever cast out of God's presence, but continually called to it and invited to respond to it through this idea of eternal life, which in this context is not necessarily talking about the far-off future or heaven, but about the present acknowledgement that you are a child of God, that you are beloved and letting that flow through you, and that you also were made to love. Our Lenten disciplines... Practices of fasting and prayer, these scripture passages that we've been reading on Tuesday nights, invite us to contemplate the human existence, marked by dust, with our finitude and imperfection. But today we rejoice that the human parts of our nature and the divine parts of our nature are beautiful gardens that flourish as one beloved entity, and that God, through Jesus, has too merged heaven and earth into one realm. And it is this security of love that I hope convicts us all in our call to complete God's love in loving all who and all that God loves, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.